Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for worship today. There are three main principles for handling a weapon safely. One of them is to know your target and what's beyond it. There are people in life, and this is reflected in our readings today, who are aiming for sin. And they're going after it. And they're forgetting what's beyond it. That they're going to have to face God. And so here we are as people. We're wheat living among weeds. We're wheat, God's people, living among a world of sinners chasing after sin. Our lessons today call for trust. That we trust God to help us, guide us through, and bring us safely to our goal. Order of service is in the worship folder and on screen. At this time, let's begin with our opening hymn, 507. name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us. Let us then confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In peace, then, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. God, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit that 
ever mindful of your final judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you in perfect joy hereafter. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson from Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. The word of the Lord. Continue with the psalm. power and love all things decree 
serves as a basis for the sermon from Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. For the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. Gospel is sections of Matthew 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, 
Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the, the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where the, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be seated for him 491.
name of him who is and who was and who is to come. Fellow believers, I think you all understand that when you come to a place like this, when you come to the house of the Lord, this is not philosophy class. We're not going to sit here and debate about the existence of God. We're not going to search all the wise sages of, of our current existence and world and see what they have to say about whether, whether God exists or whether he doesn't exist. The Bible doesn't do that. To the Bible, there is no doubt about this. It's settled. It was never even a question to begin with. And so if you go, which is why I didn't introduce the first lesson, if you go to Isaiah, there's no debate. The problem with the people back then wasn't whether or not God existed. They had gone from the right one and they were walking away from him and they were going after idols. They were singing an early rendition of what Madonna sang in the 80s. We're living in a material world and I'm a material person. You see, these people back in the Old Testament, being in the material world, they were frustrated with an invisible God, a God they couldn't see. And so they wanted a God or gods that they could see with their own eyes that were right there in front of them. They were material people living in a material world and they wanted to have a material God. And so they walked away from the true one. Now, fast forward to today, and my, how advanced our society is, how intelligent we are, so much smarter than the people 100 years ago, so much sm way smarter than 1,000 or 2,000 or 2,700-year-old people from the, from the time of Isaiah. And so we've progressed as people, and we've gone from the true God away not just to idols anymore, now we've progressed even further than those Old Testament people, and we've gone to our enlightened society of there is no God whatsoever at all. And so our leaders today, many of them, have done what Pilate did in the Old Testament. They just wash their hands of whatever responsibility they think they have, and they're going their own way. And, and mind you, it serves themselves. To be a leader in today's world and to believe there is no God, it suits themselves because, well, now there are no consequences. Now... No, they can be God. And, and look at what happened in the last 100 to 150 years. All of the atrocities around the world. They didn't happen from people who trusted the triune God. They happened from people who walked away from him. They happened from people who didn't just have false gods. Many of them had no God whatsoever. And they went their own way. And these are the people that think they're so enlightened and are chasing this down today. Well, God has something to say. And that's what he does in each of these readings. He raises his hand and, and he reminds people and lets them know, this is not philosophy. This is not a question about whether God exists. This is not a debate. God is not looking for argumentation, pro and con, on his existence today. Today's a sermon about your existence and about your future. These things are plain as day, and you see that through and through this section of Romans 1. These things are obvious. 
Everybody in the world knows two things. One, God exists. Two, God can't stand sin. Everybody knows where God stands. And he says in Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Wrath is anger. God is angry. God is angry at sin. And this isn't the kind of anger that he's going to wait just until the last day, the day of judgment. This is the kind of anger that's a right now anger. This is a kind of anger that he reveals as being unfolded today and tomorrow in the world as these things go on and are unfolding. There are two very particular sins that the wrath of God, the anger of God, is coming down right now and tomorrow and every day after at people who pursue these things. And and so Paul says, God is especially wrathful and angry at those who pursue godlessness and those who pursue wickedness. And you need to understand those terms. They're not just generic ballpark terms. Godlessness means somebody's attitude. It's a reflection of what somebody's thinking inside of here. It's somebody who directly defies God. They're defiant in the face of God, and they're going the exact opposite direction in their heart, and they say, I don't care what you have to say. I don't care what you think, and I don't care about your law. The second term Paul uses is wickedness. Wickedness is a term that says they are not going to do what is good and upright, even from a common sense kind of way, they are going to do the opposite. And so they are going to pursue what is wicked and what is evil in this world. Now, keep in mind, they know better. And so these people are doing it deliberately. Now I want to point something out here. In Romans 1, We're not talking in general about sin because every one of us fits that category. Every one of us checks that box. The wrath of God is being revealed not against sinners in general, though we all know where God stands against sin in general too, but this is a particular wrath that is being unfolded against these two particular things. Why? Why is God so particularly upset and angry at those who who pursue godlessness and wickedness? Because they're trying to suppress the truth. By their attitude and by their actions, they are trying to suppress the truth of, and by their wickedness. What does that mean to suppress the truth? They are trying to suppress the truth of God's existence. They are tr- trying to suppress the truth of sin's existence. And so they're living against the Bible. They are going against God's word. They are trying to say sin doesn't matter in the world. Do whatever you want. They are trying to live a life that says the existence of God is questionable at best, but he doesn't exist at all. The the problem is you can't erase God from existence. You can't stop the truth of God's word. And yet these people are trying. And so again, let's boil this text down so far. 
Everybody knows God exists. Everybody knows sin is real, and everybody qualifies as a sinner. And in spite of these two things, and knowing better, they are deliberately going after and chasing these things and doing them against better knowledge. That's what God is angry at. Now at this point of our text, Paul takes a break. He takes a pause, and it's as if he backtracks to make sure something is clear to every one of you. Wait a minute, Pastor. There are so many people not reading their Bibles today. How can they know God exists apart from the Bible? And these are important things for us to understand. What the Bible does is it doesn't tell us in and of itself God exists. God takes that for granted that everybody knows that. What the Bible tells us is that the one God who exists loves you. That he forgives sins by sending Jesus. That he's gracious with you. The whole point of the Bible, and yes, there's law in the Bible too, but the main point of the Bible is to spell out the revelation of God's incredible heart to you. The gospel, the good news that we would never know without the Bible. But even if somebody doesn't have a Bible, you can know all kinds of things about God. Paul says, by looking at nature and conscience, God has hardwired the fact of his existence into the world. Nature and conscience are two things that screams God exists, and he's very serious about sin. And that's Paul's point here. He says, what may be known about God is plain to them. It's obvious. Because God has made it plain to them. God's invisible qualities... Well, what's an invisible quality? An, in, an invisible quality is something you can see even if you don't see the person. You can, without even seeing God, you can see these characteristics about him. Everybody can. And so he says God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, being understood from all creation so that people are without excuse. The fact of God's power and his divinity, they're everywhere. You can't walk outside this morning, you couldn't have driven to church without seeing the two characteristics of, of God, his, his divinity and his power. They're just all over. When you open your eyes at night and look up at the stars, you can't but help but see the incredible hand of God that placed them there. You see the invisible by the visible. I'm not saying God is creation. He's distinct from his creation. He's, he's separate from it. But you see the might of God and you see his divinity through what he's done. You, you can't help but get up in the morning and in hearing the song of the birds, just delight, unless you're not a morning person, just delight in the incredible creator who shaped something, who shaped it to fly in the air, and then gave them such beautiful songs to sing. You can't but help look inside your conscience as you and I evaluate our past and feel pinges of guilt and twinges of shame. That's a voice God put inside of you that testifies to his existence 
and also testifies to what he says about sin. Anybody who defies that, goes against it, lives apart from that, Paul doesn't hold back. He says, you have no excuse. You're under the wrath of God right now and it's going to stay with you all the way until you experience it fully on the last day and then in the life to come. Weeds and wheat. There are only two things in this world and there's a huge gap in between. You can see as wheat, as, as wheat exactly which way the weeds are going. And exactly the wrath of God that's coming on them right now because Paul spells it out. Look at what God is doing to them as he pours out his wrath and anger on them. Paul says, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. There's an incredible paradox and an irony here. Here are people who are defying God, saying you don't exist. They're basically being a two-year-old and closing their eyes. You don't exist. And they're wanting to go their own way, pretending God doesn't exist, pretending sin doesn't exist. And so look at what they're doing to show how free they are, to show how smart they are. In chasing after sin, they are dishonoring, which is another way to translate this, or degrading their own bodies to try and prove a point they can never prove. The wrath of God is being poured out on their bodies. And so what do they do? What, what does that mean? They're degrading their bodies. They're abandoning marriage. They're chasing after adultery. They're breaking their vows. They're giving up on the spouse of their youth. And they're sinning in themselves and against themselves. And, and here's where the paradox and irony is. It's that God hands them over to it. So the wrath of God and the punishment of God that he's pouring out on them is actually God withholding his hand of blessing from them and letting them do it to themselves. It's not God doing anything to these people. It's God saying, fine, you want life without me? Have at it. And they live to wreck their own bodies. And by the way, this is only the tip of the iceberg. If you read the rest of Romans 1, this is only the start of the slippery slope. It keeps going and going down. Do you see that happening in our society today? People abandoning their marriages. People changing the definitions of marriage. People not happy with the gender they were born with and switching genders. Look at all of the dishonoring and degrading of bodies that is happening today as the wrath of God is being poured out on these people that are trying to live a life without him. They're without excuse. They will not escape. This is a tough lesson. And in and of itself, there's no gospel in this lesson. And I want to point something out then. As we are wheat, and as we come to the house of the Lord, there's not one person that came here to puff their chest up and to say how great we are as compared to all that stuff that's happening out there. Look at, look at these terrible people out there. That is not what we came to do this morning.
Again, every one of us checks every box in the sinner category. What's the one difference then between the wheat and the weeds? It's what God has done for us. As we've come here, we're no better than anybody else. But as we've come here, it's the Lord who's taken us to the font and who did a miracle and made us what we were not. Made us to be his. As we've come to the house of the Lord, we've come desiring the Lord's Supper, which continues to forgive and pour out the forgiveness of sins to bind Jesus to us again, to renew us in the faith, and to send us in the name of the one true God, to serve him and to serve him only. We've come to hear the good news of what Jesus has done for us and to be refreshed in that, to have our minds that are so affected week after week by what the weeds are doing because we're inundated with this. Millions and billions. You can't watch a movie today without this animal over millions and billions of years. No, they're just taking credit from the creator. But we hear this stuff and we've come to hear what God has done, how God shaped this to be reset in this, both in the gospel and then to go according to the will of God. And so we've come here not to puff ourselves up, we've actually come to let the air out. Lord, here's my sin again. I want to tell you about it. All of it. And then you get to hear what God has done about it. The almighty creator who shaped this entire universe, who made this world, who made everything incredibly with it, who made it perfectly, who knows no sin, the holy God who has no equal, he sent his son for you. Jesus came and he took your sin and he took your punishment and he rose from the dead to guarantee you're forgiven. That heaven is open to you. That you, you are not under the wrath of God. God is not angry with you. Romans later says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are under the complete blessing of the Lord. You know his saving name. Not just that he exists. You don't know him just by your conscience. You know him by faith in Jesus Christ. And he has no equal. He's your rock and your redeemer. You know where God stands with these things. So trust him. Rejoice over him. Praise him. Serve him. Be wheat in this wicked world of so many weeds. And as you leave God's house today and you have another week living among the weeds, it's going to challenge you. Trust the Lord will deal with that too. Trust the Lord will help you with it. Trust the Lord will guide you in this world and will bring you safely through because you do know where God stands. And you know what? So do they. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, 
true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. In the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the precious gift of human life. We, you have given this past week Jared Mark Barber, son of Garrett and Amber, Miles Robert Horst, son of Kendra and Nick, and Emerson Marie Fiorini, daughter of Lindsay and Dom. Bless these children and families. Pour out your grace and blessing on them and raise them to know and trust you alone. We also praise you for Heidi Suntag's parents, Kevin and Val, who are celebrating today their 40th anniversary. They've built their home on the rock and you have not failed them. You filled their hearts with grace, their lives with faithfulness, and a home with joy. Bless their anniversary and their days ahead. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who promised that wherever two or three come together in his name, there he is with them to shepherd his flock until he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Please be seated. <clears throat> 